Thanks for listening to the AI and IT Ops podcast brought to you by New Relic. This is episode 10, the express version. For all things application performance management, AI Ops, digital transformation, and more, check out www.apmdigest.com. Our guest today is Prem Narandas, CEO of Ketonic. And now, your host of the podcast, industry veteran, consultant, and analyst, Andy Thurai. Welcome to the AI in IT Ops podcast. I am Andy Thurai, founder and principal at thefieldcto.com, home of unbiased emerging technology advisory services. Today, we have a special guest in our podcast for a couple of reasons. First, he's from Down Under, Australia. And second, he's in the field that covers more than AI ops. And third, because he was in the business of selling and implementing AI solutions and saw a gapping need in what is offered versus what's the real need. So he found out Catonic to address those issues. So that's what intrigued me to invite him to the podcast. Here he is, Prem Narayan Das. CEO of Ketonic AI. Prem, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Andy. Thanks a lot. Look, I'm really excited and uh, thanks uh, for giving us an opportunity uh, far away from Australia to be part of this podcast. I really appreciate it. You used to lead blockchain at DXE and a couple of other companies before you were even uh, country lead positions for some of these companies. And you entirely left that blockchain and then you moved to do things in AI, even formed a company to do solve a problem, particularly in AI apps. Why, why the move? One of the bank here, uh, you know, build the center of excellence for augmented reality, implemented a lot of uh, AI. And uh, during this process, uh, what I realized is that while IT was doing all this cool stuff and adding a lot of value to business, they themselves had outdated uh, processes, systems, monitoring tools, although they were there. So there used to be a lot of struggle when it came to maintenance and upkeeping of the environment. And I felt that there was a gap which needs to be addressed. And again, having said that, you know, Ketonic is not just focused on AI uh, or any technology. Our job is to look at how we can improve or make life of, uh, you know, IT operations team better using technology. And definitely, uh, you know, at this moment, AI is in the front front, but we're also looking at using augmented reality to, you know, visualize some of the output. We're looking at RPA to integrate to act blockchain and any technology which comes uh, and which can make life easy, we will do so. Well, you know, you used all the hot terms in there. You threw in blockchain, AI ops, AI, and augmented reality. And if you add virtual reality, that rounds it up. <laughs> well, that's the whole idea. I think there's, there's a lot of interesting technology out there. And we definitely want to see how we can best utilize to make the life of the IT operations better. Because I definitely see that there's a huge struggle when it comes to their day- daily operations, especially post-pandemic. Uh, you know, their def- their job has been very difficult, uh, working both remote and the volumes going up and all the alerts, right, with post-pandemic, uh, with people working from home, all the alert monitoring tools have gone for a toss because everything is abnormal now and everything comes up as an alert and they don't know how to go about uh, doing the job, so... So in the last report that I'm, I'm working on in this field uh, as an analyst, on an average, organizations have about 20 to 20 three, maybe 25 monitoring tools. Uh, this is not just some made-up number, this actual fact of the survey results. There is no need for an additional tool when already there is a tool sprawl. Having said that, why are you doing this? What is your differentiator? 
Like you rightly said, there is no need for another tool. And Ketonic, uh, we are not another tool. We are actually a platform. And what we are trying to do is we are trying to bring in a strategic overlay, which kind of sits nicely on top of your customer's existing systems, be it your you know existing monitoring systems or be it, in, be, be it the data lakes or the data warehouses or the ETLs, which they've invested. So, uh, you know, Ketonic is more of a platform which sits nicely on your existing systems and assimilates data from various sources and give you capability, although it comes with pre-built use cases around incident prediction change and whatnot, but it gives you or the customer a capability to build your own model. So what they're doing is, uh, you know, uh, not only um, doing a citizen analyst kind of a thing where uh, people can build their own report to burst the silos and get a 360 degree of what's happening, but we're also kind of creating citizen uh, you know, data scientists who could come in and build their own model using their favorite tool, take benefit of the platform. So that's where the thinking uh, was, uh, Andy. We don't expect the customer to rip off or add any additional tool for, for our platform to work. Okay, so a major issue in this field, um, especially when you have uh, pre-trained models, the ML models, get stale especially when there are companies that offer AI solutions with pre-trained models, not just uh, you know, AI but any company that offers modeling and model creation and stuff, they have to deal with it quite often. Are you doing anything that in that front to help the ops teams that are different? Yeah, absolutely, Andy. So look, uh, like you rightly said, I've spent a lot of time working with IT operations team, trying to see what tools they use. I'm across all the APM tools, uh, ITSM tools, and their promises uh, around AI. Uh, although, you know, uh, they're trying uh, trying their best to do a good job, uh, but most of the tools provide models uh, which are more around anomaly and alert and focus more on monitoring. Uh, there is no, uh, uh, you know, special models or any kind of training done on those models using the customer data. And also most of these tools are actually very much focused on uh, alert and monitoring and four or five uh, personas in the IT operations and not catering to you know DevOps or testing and whatnot. So we feel that there is a lot of benefits AI and the emerging tech can offer to IT operations as a whole beyond monitoring. Our platform gives you the capability to have models which are beyond you know, anomaly. We are not just anomaly detection, but we build very complex model and we use uh, Qflow and Kubernetes as underlying technology. So what we've done is uh, we've automated the entire pipeline end-to-end you can build any model, you can actually cater to more or less any use case you can think of possibly uh, in IT operations and any kind of uh, you know source. So what you're saying is you would, rather than doing all with the pre-trained models, you would retrain the models with the customer-specific data and, and change the model and change the algorithms along the way. But if you had to do that, adjusting the models per customer-specific, won't that take forever to go live? How are you dealing with that? We have uh, something called MLOps, basically your model management, and that's what we specialize in. So we have an end-to-end MLOps pipeline built as part of the platform, and it's completely built on open source technology like Qflow and Kubernetes. With Qflow and Kubernetes, the entire pipeline is automated. So what it means is when I onboard the customer, uh, I talk to them and understand what kind of monitoring tools they have, and I have pre-built connectors for most of them I connect. I press a button and, uh, and the entire models are trained, uh, the ones which are pre-built, and here we go. Because it's completely automated, so we use Qflow and Kubernetes to automate the MLOps. We use Ansible to automate the uh, entire platform uh, you know, spinning off. Essentially, we're using technology to automate as much as possible. The AI and ITFs podcast will be back shortly. 
I'm Pete Golden, the publisher of APM Digest, and I just want to take a break for a minute to talk to you about New Relic, the sponsor that brought you this podcast today. New Relic has done something a little out there. They reworked everything. See, they've been actually listening when people talk about blind spots or being stuck with a dozen different tools or getting hit with hidden costs. First, they went open source, making it so you can actually instrument what you need. Then they made it so you can monitor your whole stack in one place, including serverless. You can use telemetry data from any source for ridiculously cheap, and there's one UI with all your tools. And they completely changed their pricing so you can easily predict it. This is advantageous because who has time to troubleshoot their bill? Best of all, there's a free tier with one user and 100 gigabytes per month, totally free. So you can really make sure it works before you pay a dime. New Relic is definitely worth another look. Check it out at newrelic.com. Observability made simple. And now back to the podcast. One of the issues with the data, as with uh, we earlier touched on, that there are too many monitoring tools. There's also too much of data, different types of data, different sources of data. There's uh, there's logs, there's metrics, there's traces. There is uh, you know mostly structured data, some semi-structured data, and there is even unstructured data. Data coming in from change management tools. It's basically data, 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 data everywhere. Isn't there a point that, you know, it comes that there is too much of data? Because sometimes, you know, customers I've seen struggle with this. What's good data? How much to incorporate? How often to update? What have you seen in, in the field generally? Very good question, Andy. So, uh, look, I, I completely agree with you that there's too much of variety of data and velocity of data. So we know what the silos are, right? The silos are your ITSM, you have your APM, you have your network. So we know the, the silos. And what we've done is uh, in the last six months, we've gone through each of the silo and we've identified about 140 features, uh, which... Uh, you know, can we pull from these data and we build those features and those features are then fed into the model. So the way it works is we connect to the customer's uh, data sources, we pull the data, those data uh, is mapped to our uh, features, so the features are auto-created uh, and those features are then fed into the ML model. And what we do is we use uh, AI to decide what features make sense. So when we go to a customer, all we have to do is uh, we, we just need to know what source systems they have. We map them to our uh, uh, data schema and then everything else is automated and the features are extracted automatically the models are trained automatically in the dashboards so that's how we approach the uh, problem of uh, both complex velocity and variety of data and yeah i heard you mention uh, speed data is that australian for uh, stream data yes <laughs> so in that answer you actually mixed up Two or three things that uh, that I've been seeing evolving continuously in, in the space. Uh, one is you talked a little bit about future engineering portion of it, and then you also mentioned about future store portion of it. Future engineering being extracting features on what you need to create models, future store being how do you store, collaborate, share, and all that. And then, of course, the usual observability and monitoring piece of it, which the last one our listeners understand easily. For the future engineering, future store, are you playing in that too? And why and how should that be integrated into AI ops? How do you how do you see the synergies? 
Yeah, so Andy, feature engineering is going to be the future because as in more and more organizations are investing in AI and in order to maintain and manage the AI, you need MLOps. But at the same time, uh, MLOps is about ma- model management. But then when you're managing the models, you're training and you know, you're actually using the features. So the future I see is that every company will have a feature store. In five years time, every large organization which is using AI will have a feature store. Uh, and feature stores will then be opened up for all the data scientists. So data scientists now then don't have to worry about data wrangling and creating the features. Then they, they just have to focus on building better models because they know that the feature, uh, you know, the features are maintained and updated automatically. Uh, so that's, uh, they'll probably then spend 80% of time building the model and not worrying uh, worrying about the data because today it's the other way. They spend 20% of the time building the model and 80% of the time doing, uh, you know, data engineer job and, you know, trying to create and populate and pull and wrangle data. There is obviously this open telemetry, which, you know, CNCF based, uh, I, I believe that's the second largest project in the CNCF consortium, the number of companies. So they're basically trying to define the standards, open standards, and have everybody adopt to a standard, and, and there's work going on that front. So, you know, essentially, it's it's allowing you, to an extent, commoditize the metrics, monitoring, telemetry, and all of that. So that's one angle. And then there is this open source angle, which appeals to the, the dev community, because, um, you know, engineers and developers love uh, free or cheap. And it's fairly easy to integrate too because they can code it out without worrying about the enterprise greatness or security and whatnot. So the problem with that is, you know, when when you have an AI apps tool that is built enterprise grade, it could take either an approach that it'll embrace both of that and then hence it'll become adaptive and inclusive or I've seen some solutions that they don't want to commoditize the whole thing. They don't want to compete with the market. They become more like a closed loop that you have to use my specific interfaces, my way of doing things. Hence, I'll keep you as my customers, which is a better way from a customer standpoint and viewpoint on how you guys are addressing that. Everybody's monitoring. Everybody has tools. Uh, everybody, like you said, has average 23 number of tools. Those are not going to go away. What's happening now is commoditization of, uh, you know, monitoring, uh, pulling the data from those tools. And all these companies who are into AI ops uh, are feeling that instead of everybody reinventing the wheel, let's kind of come together and have an open source program where pulling the data um, is kind of commoditized and accessible for everyone. And we're definitely embracing open telemetry. Ketonic is compatible with open telemetry. We are definitely using those tools. But we are more focusing on building the model right. We are focusing on uh, more use cases. So we're working on use cases uh, uh, which traditionally uh, were not addressed. And because we don't have to worry about the pulling the data apart, we can now spend our energy on on more value-adding stuff. So that's probably my view, Andy. Yeah. Okay, so another common issue I see is that AI ops has a very broad meaning. Almost everybody wants to be an AI ops vendor, right? It's sort of a technology, it's a platform, it's a strategy. And when it comes to enterprise, um, there are a couple of reports published suggesting it's a strategy that covers at least 20 different roles that need to be get involved. It'll be difficult to build for all those personas. Are, are you guys concentrating on all of the 20 or how, how are generally customers, what are they looking for and how are you guys addressing it? I think Gartner coined the word AI ops. Uh, and if you keep the technology uh, or the product or the strategy part aside, uh, the, I think 
the intent there was that you know how can ai help it operations right and like i said ai is just one technology there could be other technology so essentially what we are all trying to do is how can emerging technology help it operations right when you are infusing ai into it operations yes there are a lot of personas but there are three key areas right so you have uh, your engineering teams or devops teams right who are doing changes pushing releases and what not that's one area right then you have your services team which is your l1 l2 and and what not and then you have a, your customer service team which is your service desk call center and what not right so so the, these together become it operations most of the focus has been more around uh, you know services and monitoring i think uh, on the predictive analytics part uh, around hardware failure software failure workload capacity there's been some progress but on the other two which is your devops intelligence right around, or your engineering where around programming intelligence where you could look at code defect detection code review intelligence uh, roll out risk detection build prioritization not much work has been done there right even on the services side around uh, you know what's the sentiment when a customer calls uh, connecting that sentiment uh, with the churn rate so there are a lot and you know looking at uh, predicting the number of tickets and planning your capacity and using ai to predict who your key sme might go on leave those things are not being done it will be impossible if i say that i will build all of these use cases i will be uh, lying to myself so what we are doing is we are opening it up for anyone to come uh, so we let the customers build whatever use cases they like which is their burning need but at the same time we are also looking at open sourcing our models and use the power of uh, the crowd to potentially you know let them solve all the problems in the it operation space so that's where the thinking is andy uh, we are soon open sourcing all our models uh, in few months and uh, that's the direction as uh, ketonic as a company is looking at taking yeah awesome thanks so much prime for the great conversation thank you andy uh, really i really enjoyed the conversation awesome so you heard from prime do you agree disagree or if you have an opinion let me know let's discuss this further also if you'd like to be part of our podcast let me know that as well until next episode so long and stay safe